0: another episode of Brad here the podcast dedicated to weekly TV show episode reviews. Come along with news and opinions on the entertainment industry. I'm Dan Schmitz, your host. Get with me as a guy who is part of a secret society of detectives. My co-host.
1: Hey everybody, it's Nico and welcome to Across the On this week's episode, we continue our coverage of the spring 2016 TV season with our reviews of The Walking Dead, an episode of Castle, Michael's Sleepy Hollow reviews, but no supernatural this week, and our sitcom section including the two-part season finale of The Muppets and an episode of New Girl and Modern Family. So let's get this condensed
0: episode. Of the Across the Airways podcast started with a gigantic News with eco section filled with all sorts of news. Well, Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Rick and Morty, Johnny, Johnny Depp, sort of being on Walking Dead, get some Marvel stuff. So let's take it away with it now.
1: Mythbusters concludes its run as the best science show in a generation. The explosion that put Discovery Channel's Mythbusters on a map was lit back in 2005 when 5,000 pounds of ammonium nitrate fuel oil or ampho vaporized a cement truck. The same explosion ended Mythbusters last Saturday night, closing out the best and most impactful science television show since Carl Sagan's Cosmos. I can honestly say that I was a Mythbusters fan from the start in my junior year studying for a Bachelor's of Science at Notre Dame. It struck me as a fresh and fun yet informative series that reminded me of the good old days of Bill Nye the Science Guy that made science fun as a child. I think had I been around five years younger when Mythbusters premiered, it may have influenced me to become an engineer or computer scientist rather than studying biology and forensics. But still, I know it helped keep my love of science and experimenting alive through tough exam seasons. Befitting a science show, the numbers tell the story of Mythbusters too. In the last 14 years, the show has tested 1,100 myths in 3,000 experiments across more than 260 episodes with 921 explosions over the years. The series finale was highly combustible as well, and it began with 800. 55 pounds of Ampho detonating at a truly wondrous 50,000 frames per second and ended with the largest explosion in the show's history, 5,001 pounds to make a cement truck disappear. The episode packs all of the fans' favorite finales into one. Buster gets a heartfelt goodbye, riding the only experiment that has ever left Adam Savage truly speechless, the infamous rocket sled. But the best part of the finale was not an explosion at all. For his last ever rig, Jamie crafted a diabolical metal wedge to go in the front of a big rig. The rig proceeded to barrel across a mile of track filled with more than 200 props from Mythbusters 14 years of history. From a bombastic show about world's first and don't try this at home milestones, destroying the results of the team's many experiments seemed a fitting way to close out the years. Adam even tears up at the sight of so much work and effort and love in one place. It's because he knows Mythbusters was never just about the explosions. Numbers can't quantify what Mythbusters taught us. What made the show the best science conversation on any TV network or website was the process. Experimentation was the beating heart of Mythbusters. The scientific method was its skeleton. Adam, Jamie, Carrie, Grant, and Tory were its face, and the fans were its soul. No other show has embraced and engendered critical thinking so much. There isn't a science show in history that has gone back and retried an experiment if the results may have been wrong. And going back wasn't even looked at as a failure. It was part of the process. Fans didn't riot when the team showed us something we'd seen before because we were all learning together. Failure was always an option after all. Mythbusters leaves behind a significant void in a media landscape already bereft of quality science content. I imagine a similar chasm opened when Bill Nye the science guy went off the air or when Mr. Wizard stopped teaching kids how to pull an egg into a soda bottle. The spin Space won't be filled soon or adequately, but maybe fans will be the ones that finally do fill it. How great would it be if the next great science show is hosted by a kid who grew up watching Mythbusters? Rick and Morty Season 3 will air in 2016. At the end of Rick and Morty's second season, everybody's favorite character, Mr. Poopy Butthole, told us we'd have to wait probably a year and a half or longer to get the next season. And we had no reason to doubt the always truthful and totally always real and in the show Poopy Butthole. And given the long time between seasons 1 and 2, a rough return date of April 2017 made sense. But at a recent panel for the show at Magic City Con, co-creator Dan Harmon assured the world that we'd actually be getting the show back a lot sooner and with a longer season to boot. During the panel, Harmon made mention of of the series coming back at the end of this year, 2016, obviously, which was met with raucous cheers from the attendees. Harmon also made mention of this next season having 14 episodes, which is longer than either of the previous seasons, which ran 11 and 10, respectively. You can see the whole panel in the link in the ACC feed, but the passage in question begins around the 1024 mark. Game of Thrones Kit Harrington confirms that Jon Snow will make a season 6 appearance. Disclaimer every single word in this story may be true, but we recommend taking it with a wall sized portion of salt. Because when Game of Thrones Kit Harrington says he is only going to be in the HBO drama's new season as a corpse, we really don't believe he's just going to lie there like casket father. But that's what the actor recently told Time Out London, saying that the only new scenes he's filmed for the series were scenes of me being dead, and joked, it's some of my best work. Rumors of Harrington's involvement in this co- season despite Jon Snow's apparent death at the end of season five have been gathering steam since the season finale. Harrington's decision to keep Jon's long locks along with the photos of him in Belfast one of the drama's shooting locations seemed to back the hopeful scuttlebutt but Harrington and his castmates have repeatedly vowed that Ned Stark's bastard son is dead much like Maisie Williams did when TV Line's Michael Oseo asked her about her on-screen brother at last year's Emmy Awards and for his part Harrington told Time Out Loud that he's not privy to what else will happen on the show this season. Man I just can't wait for April already. Johnny Depp was on Walking Dead, sort of. Johnny Depp made a cameo on last week's episode of The Walking Dead. Well, sort of. It was pretty quick, so you might have missed it, but spoiler alert, one of the heads on the ground was his. A model of it, anyway. Producer and special effects artist Greg Nicotero explained to Entertainment Weekly that they used the famous actor's head as a model for the skull. One of the other heads, I don't know if I'm going to get into trouble if I say this, was Johnny Depp. I think we had sculpted an emaciated version of a dummy head for something, and we used Johnny Depp's head as a basis just for a clay skull. This isn't the first time Anthrax frontman Scott Ian and former Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Brian Ward have made Walker cameos in the show, though they were actually physically on set. This is just a little Walking Dead trivia for y'all. Daisy Ridley could play Laura Croft in Tomb Raider Reboot. Three months ago, Daisy Ridley had a breakout performance as Rey in Star Wars The Force Awakens, and while Ridley is currently filming Star Wars Episode 8, her next franchise role could be Laura Croft. Via a report that originated at Deadline, Ridley is among the actresses who are currently up for the Tomb Raider Reboot that GK Films has set up at Warner Brothers and MGM. As noted in the original story, Ridley's representatives haven't had any official negotiations with the producers, nor have any offers been made, but conversations have taken place, and the producers haven't yet narrowed down who they want in the lead role. Although Ridley doesn't have many feature credits beyond The Force Awakens, she had a few roles on British television before her big break. She's also about the right age to portray the younger Laura Croft from the two most recent Tomb Raider video games, which chronicled Lara's first adventures. Angelina Jolie previously starred in two Tomb Raider movies in 2001 and 2003. Recently Tomb Raider director Roar Uthog said that making the new Laura Croft feel like a real human being was a priority for the reboot. Ridley's relatability in The Force Awakens was one of her most praised qualities and it would make for some interesting symmetry if Ridley briefly stepped away from the Star Wars franchise to play a world-famous archaeologist, just like her co-star Harrison Ford had done with the Indiana Jones series. I love this idea and really hope it works out. Might actually get me excited about the Lara Croft reboot if she is involved. Game of Thrones website allows you to add to the Hall of Faces. We know that Arya is ready to become no one, but are you? No, seriously, are you? Because thanks to an amazing new website from HBO, you too can now add your own face to the unsettling Hall of Faces. The early promos for the upcoming sixth season of Game of thrones featured characters both dead and alive among the many faces in the house of the black and white in bravos where Arya is currently learning the secrets of the faceless men in service of the many-faced god now you can take your creepy place among them thanks to the hall all you have to do is either upload a picture or take a new one on the site and it creates both a video and an image of your face right alongside characters from the show's history i found it more effective to take a new picture rather than uploading an old one because you can better place your eyes in the right spot and fill it up fill out the circle properly yeah obviously i I made one myself now i'm not saying you should immediately make one for your friends that will be super weirded out by this but obviously you should i saw a great one of george rr R. martin himself on nerdist along with geordie from star trek and the comic book guy from simpsons anyway follow the link in the accp to play around with it for yourself the tick is getting rebooted at amazon with pilot order the greatest superhero the world has ever known. No, not that one. No, that other guy's lame. No, the other one. Yeah, him. The Tick is making his return to television at long last. After years of speculation that the series was a go with Patrick Warburton returning to star, Amazon has made at least part of that dream come true with a pilot order for The Tick. As first reported by Deadline, Ben Elon's classic comic book character is being given a new take. Elon will be back to write and executive produce. He also co-created the 1994 animated series iteration and the 2001 live action Fox comedy. Also returning, OG Executive producer Barry Josephson, but there's a bit of bad news to go along with all this. Warburton will not return to star as he's too busy on his NBC comedy series Crowded. Casting for the lead is currently underway. Griffin Newman has been cast as Arthur Everest, his schizophrenic best friend, with Valerie Curry set to play Arthur's sister slash nurse Dot. According to Deadline, the new incarnation will follow the Tick as he recovers from memory loss and reteams with his best bud Arthur to fight evil. I'm in now that I know Ben Elon's involved. I just kind of wish Patrick Warburton would have been able to do it as well. Sharknado 4 cast Gary Busey. Fear not, everyone's favorite shark-filled weather event is returning for Sharknado 4. Somewhat amazingly, Gary Busey has not yet appeared in a Sharknado motion picture. That gross oversight will be rectified when the film vet, reality TV show personality plays dad to Tara Reid in Sharknado 4. Also on board for sci-fi franchise forkwell is supermodel Cheryl Teagues playing Hero Finn's flower child mother, Ray. David Hasselhoff will in turn reprise his role as Finn's father, Gil. Sharknado 4, which does not yet have an official title, but as always, will premiere in July. Ratings. Sleepy Hollow slips again. Fox's Sleepy Hollow last Friday drew 3 million total viewers and a 0.7 rating, ticking back down in the demo to match its series low. Not good signs for this series. Mike Coulter confirms Luke Cage premiere date. Leave it to Mike Coulter to upstage Marvel's Man Without Fear at his own red carpet event. While making a brief appearance at the world premiere of Daredevil Season 2, Coulter revealed that his Luke Cage series will be dropping on September 30th. Coulter said Luke Cage would be action-packed from beginning to the very end. Trust me, Daredevil premieres March 18th and I will see the fans on September 30th. 30th. Coulter immediately confirmed his series premiere date and added, you heard it here first. Watch Coulter make the announcement at the 210 mark in the video in the ACC feed. Luke Cage will be coming out two months earlier than Jessica Jones did last year, and Coulter made his debut as Cage on that series, which established his super strength and unbreakable skin. The Luke Cage series will pick up with Luke rebuilding his life in Harlem before circumstances force him to stand up and be the hero the city needs. Daredevil and Jessica Jones veteran Rosario Dawson will co-star in the Luke Cage series as Claire Temple, with Simone Minsk making her MCU debut as the heroine Misty Knight. Coulter has previously hinted that Iron Fist may make his debut on Luke Cage, and since we now know that Finn Jones is playing Danny Rand or Iron Fist, that certainly looks like a strong possibility. For full details, follow the link in the ACC feed. Ratings. Shield returns to lows. ABC's already renewed Agents of Shield on Tuesday night returned from hiatus to 3.5 million total viewers and a 1.1 demo rating, matching and hitting series lows. TVline.com gave the winter premiere a grade of C, while TVline readers gave it an average of a B. Numbers across the board have been down, so don't read too much into this single night's numbers. And that's the news with Nico for this week.
0: Okay, with that wrapped up, we're going to walk right into talking about this week's episode of The Walking Dead with Things. So we're going to get more dicey with the Saviors. title the same boat. E
1: After experiencing a minor success, there is a whole new set of issues when members of the group are taken and held hostage.
0: Okay, so the big debate about this week's fucking dead episode was, did Carol really have a breakdown in this episode? Or was it a fake out to gain the upper hand against her captors? Can I mean, we have see Carol be the person that gets down, get dirty, and does what's necessary in a crisis situation? Can we resolve things like her hyperventilating and freaking out and kind of reverting slightly back to the Carol we started with, but ultimately getting back to her toughness at the end? So Nico, what do you think was going on here, what was going on Okay, carol's head and i know there's a debate on talking dead as well about this where her head was at but where do you think it is
1: well she was definitely faking it that was all to take focus off of her and off of maggie and get into the good graces or at least make the saviors believe that she was so weak that she wouldn't be a threat so they would let their guard down around her and then ultimately she could escape like she did right
0: okay okay because I really wasn't sure where they were going at it sounds like some of the words the savior the girl leading them got, stay, got through to her got struck a chord with her
1: I definitely think she's struggling with and we talked about this last time about yeah. the number of people that she killed she even said to Maggie that she had counted up and it was 18 people and now 22 so yeah I think she's definitely struggling with the fact that she's killed people not just walkers I think she's she's good to go with the walkers that's never been a problem right. but the killing people has started to get to her Yeah. and I think that explains a little bit to me why she was so gung-ho about Maggie not being there last week because she didn't want Maggie to fall prey to the same Struggle that Carol's now going through.
0: Because you pretty much, got Maggie, to avoid that in this episode.
1: I actually like, disagree. Maggie Probably killed one. Maggie killed a couple people, and she was she was pretty matter of fact about right. it, you know. And she was the one that was saying, "We absolutely need to kill these people. We can't let any of them go." And that is what I think scared Carol about Maggie in this episode.
0: Because she's kind of drinking Rick's Kool at this point in terms of Maggie. Yeah. Go with that being said. Could you think the episode did a good job? of making us still question? Could the Alexandrians would have been better off if they? just left the saviors alone. Instead of them going ahead and drawing first blood, there was a big thing I felt that the, the girl that was leading this group of saviors got through to Carol was, you struck first, we have a right to do this. And they kind of do to a certain extent. go with that, Nico, I gotta ask, can you still under the belief that Alexander should have just let the saviors do their thing? Of course, this is a group that needs to be wiped out since they are only about saving themselves. Can't really to wipe out anyone who could cause them to become Walker food. I mean, are these people a lost cause that needs to be wiped out?
1: Well, we know, having read a little bit from the comic books and stuff like that, that, that Negan, the actual person, not right. not the collective in this sense, is absolutely awful and needs to be taken out. But the group doesn't know that at this point. And so what the girl in this episode was saying, the woman was saying that them coming in and attacking the, the Alexandrians coming in and attacking the saviors was completely out of the blue and really had every right to defend themselves. So yeah, in, in, in that sense, sense. I think if the Alexandrians had left them be, they would have bought themselves some time. But I think ultimately this conflict was inevitable. The saviors uh-huh. the Saviors are bullies. They're the ones that have the most power or thought they had the most power. So they were taking and taking and taking from all the other groups in the area.
0: Chad, do you think we will come across some people involved with the saviors that are just kind of doing this and going along with them to survive?
1: Oh, absolutely. Those are the people that Daryl ran into when he first had an encounter with the saviors okay. in that burned out wood that, that
0: the, took the motorcycle
1: yeah that took his motorcycle they they ultimately were trying to escape and probably could have if they hadn't double-crossed Daryl
0: right because it, it seems like it's a type of type of thing where you know you take out Negan, it's like taking out Hitler get all the people that were you know following orders they're or just doing this so they wouldn't get killed is you know they go with the Alexandrians same kind of deal like with the governor when he went crazy Get he said all you know he sent the big group to the prison because then he shot up a big group of people get everyone that was left get the city win with Rick because they didn't want to get killed by the governor so do you think we'll get that kind of thing with the saviors I
1: think some some people but not not the whole group some of the people absolutely are true believers and they are following negan because they believe in what negan is doing much like the governor had his true believers
0: and i think this woman of the people we saw killed here were true believers
1: yeah, I, I believe so.
0: Especially that lady with smoking the cigarettes. She's a little psychotic.
1: Well, she was dead. You know, she yeah. said to Carol she was a dead woman walking because of probably lung cancer. Or yeah. Maybe it was something, but probably because of the smoking, it was lung cancer and she was coughing up blood. So, yeah, she didn't have long to live and she knew it. So she was just trying to survive as long as possible. Yeah. Because that makes her a little crazy.
0: And I think, going back to Carol, after the hesitation she exhibited with killing the leader of this particular saviour group, I kind of think she's going to return to Alexandria wanting Morgan to teach her more about his philosophies. I kind of might even side with Morgan the next time he questions Rick's kill or be killed philosophy, which may cause some problems for the group when battling the saviours. I kind of got a resolution to all of this. It may just come from the jail cell. We saw Morgan building at the end of last week's episode. But there's no way the Alexandrians kind of, are going to be able to house large groups of saviours could kind of need a rehabilitation. That just doesn't seem feasible at this point. For them to have, like, a jail or could asylum to take care of all the crazies, them saviors. could I be mean, the best option is kill them so you don't have to feed them. Could I be mean, a little bit evil, but that's where it makes sense to me at this point, from a logistics standpoint. So, can you think Carol being taken captive cause her to start leaning towards Morgan's philosophies? Can Rick's point of view, which is better than it was, going to cause problems with gun-inspiring unnecessary bloodshed on both sides?
1: You know, I don't think it was her being captured. I think it was the fact that she and Morgan had had this conversation, and all of this change had actually started. Started Well, before she left on this mission, she was starting to question whether she wanted to be a killer anymore. And the 18 people she had killed, that's where this sort of doubt had started coming for. I think Morgan had gotten to her before. So it wasn't about getting captured in this episode or actually in the last episode. And we saw the effects in this episode. That was just when it manifested. But it was actually happening long before. I think we're going to see that she is not wanting to kill people. She's about defending against walkers as i said earlier right but but she is now in morgan's on morgan's side in a sense about the killing of people she only you know we saw her hesitate until the one woman sliced at the baby and then it was like game on but then even after that she had trouble shooting the leader of the the saviors in this in this episode so yeah it definitely and then when rick shot the guy claiming to be megan at the end that kind of shocked her and it was she thought it was unnecessary so,
0: everything yeah. about the Maggie kills as well, she's a little shocked by those, too.
1: Yeah, well, like I was saying, she was trying to keep Maggie out of the fray as much as right. possible. So, yeah,
0: but I do think Carol's kill of the lady that sliced up got the baby was justified. That was a low blow. Because I think that's good that that was there to say Carol, when she sees how bad Negan is, because he's going to realize that's the one who has to go. I don't think she's going to hesitate with him do you until I mean, until they know what's going on,
1: until they know what's going on, probably she will. But yeah, she'll realize the necessity of it.
0: Yeah, Good again, that's our weapon that Negan could use against them in okay, the beginning. That lack of information kind okay, of hesitation about killing. Okay, I could see him getting the upper end can on them. Okay, that could be a character death. Okay, really, there were some moments where I was scared for Carol. When okay, she hesitated, guy okay, thought that was going to be trouble. Okay, thankfully, she got out unscathed. But I do think some hesitation with a lot of people in okay, the group could really easily be their demise, which is kind of scary at this point. Okay, going back to Negan, we know from the comic books got okay, the casting of Jeffrey Dean Morgan that Negan is an actual person. But it's interesting that multiple saviors, a okay, this episode said they are all Negan. Nico, because this is a battle strategy Negan created to keep his enemies from identifying him as the leader, from the saviors to keep his capture, from giving them the upper hand? Or is it implying the saviors operate almost like a hive collective, with the worker bees and his saviors, mindlessly following the direction of their queen, which is Negan?
1: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think okay. it is a defense strategy created by the man, Negan, to keep himself secure and not the focus or the target of any one attack. Like he definitely would be if anyone actually rose up against him. So in that sense, it's a security measure. But I think it's also a way to get everyone to buy into the collective and buy into the group is we're all Negan and we're all the saviors. So I think it's a little bit of a, a defensive strategy, but it's also a way that he brainwashes his followers into being part of his collective.
0: Cool. And also, Greg Strider, who sent us some consider feedback this week, made an interesting point about how it's almost like it's the way they view the world that everyone has a little vegan. That basically, yeah, that, that that everyone, because of what's happened to the world, has developed his form of savagery. So, I mean, is that because that fit into it too?
1: Oh, for sure, absolutely. Okay, yeah, because I thought that was
0: interesting from a you know, hypothetical kind of or thematic standpoint that there's that idea as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, and I like that that's that's very comic book like, you know, the idea of symbols and images standing for some get in and, and setting up a movement. Okay, again, this is something much more evil than the Superman symbol or a bat signal or something like that, but it gets interesting to see like the evil side of this and this show has been so much about enduring and railing together get light of a terrible terrible apocalyptic event but now we're going to see the opposite side of the fence because when you see both sides come together you're going to get some of the best stuff this show has done yet Finally, about things to come. Guy was very surprised the Alexandrians came out of this hostage situation in one piece. I feel like Negan is going to kill a character that's been with us from the beginning. Can we keep saying that and saying that and saying that? But it's going to happen. At the same time, that's probably going to put the group in a really bad position as retribution for all of his people that they killed. Nico, we were also surprised that this episode didn't set up the making of the Alexandrians suffering the consequences for killing so many saviors, given that we both know it's eventually going to happen. I'm also curious where you think this is going to happen. Where is the major character that's going to happen to give the audience the biggest punch in the gut.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think it, I, I was not surprised that they got out of this this time unscathed. I think it's going to lead to their bigger downfall and the, and the actual death of one of the major characters at the end of the season, whether it's the penultimate or the, the finale episode, I'm not sure, but it's going to be whenever, probably whenever Jeffrey Dean Morgan actually shows up as Negan. My thoughts on that is that I think them surviving this and thinking that they killed Negan in this episode will once again feed the confidence of the group and probably to the level of overconfidence and cockiness on the part of rick and his team will think that they've successfully taken it out negan and i didn't see jesus at the end of the episode so i'm not sure if he was there or if he was had gone back to the hilltop group but i think he's gonna realize that they haven't gotten the right guy and in that sense he's gonna try to tell them no negan hasn't been taken care of you guys still need to to get rid of all the saviors and rick will be like no we did we did our part, you know. So we we were fine, and we'll take care of whoever comes, and then ultimately they're not going to be able to, and it's going to cause the death of somebody. Can I think we'll see the vacancy of that next week. Yeah, I'm not sure who it's going to be right now, you know. Yeah, I know there's some in our listener feedback. There's some thoughts on who it could be, but I, I'm I'm going to say it's still 100% up in the air right now whether they go comic book style or they change it up. That could could be completely up in the air right now.
0: I think even if they go comic book style, it's going to be different.
1: Oh, absolutely. It has has to be. Yeah, there's there's a lot of reasons why.
0: I, th- I think that if they do that, it's going to be different than me. could actually be more satisfying. Could maybe make more sense? I don't know. But again, I feel like because they did the close call, can he survive? That that's not going to happen. You know, they're going to start playing the game that Arrow has done so well this season. If you watch that show, come they're setting up a character to die. It changes every week based on what we see. This show's notorious for playing games like that. They probably do it the best. Kind have anybody improved it earlier this season? So I think fair game for anybody, but the group is going to get screwed over at some point. 'Cause I think Negan knows this. I think that's why he didn't come running with the big Arsenal of Saviors to take these people out. He's he's playing line games. Can we know he's capable of doing those things. Yeah, absolutely. Jeffrey D. Morgan may be in for his maybe best performance ever. Kind of T V Because I mean they the way they're building up Negan, we're gonna get some great stuff. But the governor wasn't good either. The governor was a great villain too.
1: Yeah, they have. They've Kirkman has definitely created some really great villains on this in the comic book, and then brought them to life on this series. And they've had some great casting of the individuals who have played the different villains. Oh yeah, I think even the lesser and less successful ones at Terminus and and things like that were still very good developed villains, and and the idea of them was was so well developed that it made it really fun to watch, even if we weren't as taken in with the, those people as we were with these saviors and, and the governor and his crew.
0: But you can't say nothing. There's nothing that didn't work. Everything was interesting. Yeah, exactly.
1: That's my point.
0: I think the only slow, kind of weak part of the series, I think, that had good parts, because when they were having the disease in the prison. I thought that part of the show was a little small.
1: Right, but that's something that you would expect in a world like this with no right. antibiotics, no doctors, that disease could wipe out an entire group. And it was a it was a threat that most people don't think about when you're thinking, oh, we got to survive against the the other survivors and the Walking Dead. Otherwise, you know, oh, maybe that's probably why it was a little bit slower was it wasn't as immediate of a threat,
0: but it's... Because def- there's nothing to shoot at.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a threat. It's definitely a threat in this world that disease could come in and wipe everybody out.
0: Yeah, but again, yeah, that's right. You're absolutely right about that, but I think sometimes the audience wants action. You know, they want a physical conflict. And they had the problem with that story was the governor thing was so good that I think people wanted more of that. Plus, it wasn't finished by that Right. But then the second half of the season, they made up for that totally. So anyway, we're going to dive into getting some Christina feedback for the week. We got some really good stuff. Okay, good suggestions. And uh, mostly everybody was on the same page as us. But they did give a few different perspectives on things we talked about, which I thought was interesting.
1: Yeah, Kyle Jeffrey sent us some thoughts. Carol finally broke. That's going to really hurt the core group, I think. What she was pretending to be when they first showed up to Alexandria I think will actually become who she is. I think the group is in way over their heads. They are getting too cocky, and it's going to come back to get them. They were several times in this episode when there was a scuffle between carol and someone else or maggie and someone else and almost every time you see the other person carol or maggie just standing and watching in the back room what is up with that you know i noticed that too and i was like i I didn't understand why maggie didn't come in and help carol while she was battling with the leader of the saviors and ended up impaling her on that rod that was sticking out of that pole that was sticking out why maggie didn't come in and just stab her in the head when carol had her in you know they were they were both you know wrestling or something why maggie didn't help out I, i i just didn't understand understand that. Or when Maggie was fighting the girl, why it, it took her slashing at Maggie's belly before Carol stepped in to help. I, yeah. I just didn't understand that, and it didn't make a lot of sense, so I'm glad Kyle brought that up as well.
0: The second one, I could kind of justify in the sense that Maggie came very close to all losing the baby, because she was freaked out, because she backed off because of that. But the first one, yeah, I'm scratching my head about that, too, that it was something to do with her kind about killing somebody. Yeah,
1: Clark Lawrenson says, I'm not an avid reader of the graphic novel, but I do know of some things. glenn's death andrea and rick for example the line we are all negan has me more excited this dude controls a whole lot i can't wait for him to meet rick also who's he going to kill glenn daryl maggie yeah this is what i was saying earlier clark is right on target we just don't know who it is and they're kind of playing that same game Arrow is playing like you mentioned dan where yeah. it could be anyone it really could they they're setting it up where we pretty much can expect someone major to die and it could be anyone
0: exactly and it's more than the three names that Yep. Two. Yep.
1: Now, Mark Schreiner said, first off, just so well-written and so well-acted. Second, how awesome was it to watch an episode that was almost entirely female-centered? I realized that about halfway through, right after the useless male survivor was knocked unconscious. The idea that women are so powerful is so good in this show. While Glenn and Morgan debate their choices, Maggie and Carol are just so set on what they have to do. It's an interesting dynamic. Third, Alicia Witt may have had the best one-episode guest shot in the history of this series. My God, she was good. And how good was Melissa McBride. Like, what they said on Talking Dead, at this point, where is Carol's mind? She is such a great actress. I can't pin her down. Is she faking? Is she changing? It's amazing to watch. And lastly, the two best lines. You're not the good guys, and we're all Negan. The latter is scary as hell. The former is so true. Are there any good guys anymore? I mean, our group just killed an entire group of people in an ambush attack. That's not necessarily actions of good guys.
0: I really think the point Mark made is very good there. That's what makes this show exciting. it interesting to watch every week. Because you're constantly debating did they make the right decision are they still the good guys with what they did because that's cool that's, that's a great show when you kept the audience questioning the heroes got the morality and wanting to see will the show justify this will laid out. where will they go with it because that's really just good stuff and also yeah it was great that they gave the women of the show had some guest actresses their time to shine in this episode Galicia Wynn was great as this leader got the savior just really interesting complex character they really got some great development Good one episode which was ultimately killed off that was good stuff Got you know I'm really liking uh, this show in Game of Thrones that a lot of the superheroes shows we watch have these strong interesting complex female characters that are just as tough as the guys because it's good stuff and I like how uh, Walking Dead is a strong female character show and it doesn't matter if you're a guy or a girl you're, you're fans of these characters regardless so that, that's great that Walking Dead is bringing this out and kind of breaking those social boundaries where it's saying you don't need female protagonists in every episode to deal with this apocalypse and again save the world or stop the saviors or whatever you want to do it's breaking the norms where it used to be in these horror movies. Call a roommate, get calendar, could freak out and not know what to do, and the men would have to take charge. And this is not that kind of zombie story, which is awesome. So perhaps to Robert Kirkman on that. Good. I think that sums up our section for this week. So let's move on to discussing Castle. We're going to dive into an episode of Castle that surprisingly turned the show around, could resolved a lot of plot holes we've dealt with and complained about over the past couple of years. But with that resolution came the fear that they could screw off the show again. So let's get into a very good episode of Castle, which I hope continues a stream of
1: good episodes for the show i GDS. Castle returns to Los Angeles in search of info about the missing time related to his abduction, and while he's there, the greatest detective society reaches out to him and asks for his assistance in solving a murder.
0: This is an excellent return of, of Castle that gave us everything we wanted for Rick's return to Los Angeles, along with giving us some substantial stuff to talk about regarding the show we were on the podcast, because we got more laughs regarding Castle's beef with Hollywood, more development on Haley's very interesting relationship with Alexis, got a rivalry between Castle, Get another private eye, played by Simmer Galaru, which is a ton of fun especially when they broke into to director's apartments. Kind of like a kiss-kiss, bang-bang feel to it that I loved. Nico, after letting us down quite a bit this season, did you feel the writers came through kind of making this trip to Los Angeles for Castle Everything? We wanted it to be. Yeah,
1: again, a great episode of Castle that reminded us of what this show used to be and what it could have been this season if they had not screwed everything up in the first half of the season. This was what we were hoping for when they announced last season that we'd be getting another season of Castle. And hopefully, now that Loxat seems to be fully connected to the amnesia story arc and castle's missing time it has made both these stories better like i had hoped they would be, they would be when they started talking about them possibly being connected plus summer cloud's guest appearance was everything we had hoped for and her interplay with nathan was brilliant seriously loved this episode i thought it was one of the best if not the best of the season it cut my interest the whole time got it. Get get the show really headed. not done that until the past couple of weeks
0: yep but this was the the, the best ongoing story arc episode we got all season I mean, is that a fair way to say that? Oh yeah, yeah. Again, again I'm gonna talk a little bit about my complaints about how this episode should have come sooner, and maybe some of the information we got in this episode should have been spread out to improve the show and make us that have to complain for several weeks and basically torpedo themselves to the ratings. But we'll get that to that in a second. Because I gotta say that I was quite amused with the teasing Ryan Esposito gave Lady in this episode about doing a background check cut her new boyfriend. Gets more of the ethics of these two guys that kept the show alive during the terrible first half of this season, and I'm glad it got to be included. Get it all. Around good episode, and please keep these humorous side stories because they make me laugh. as long as I don't have to face the rathful lady with a fire extinguisher, because you think this is a very humorous side plot this week? Did you want the show to go back to more like office break stories that don't revolve around Castle Beckett trying to hide their relationship?
1: Yep, Dan. Again, I'm on the same page as you with regard to Ryan and Espo being the more fun and joking around versions of themselves this week and making the episode more fun with the Locksat stuff and the focus moving off of Castle and Beckett onto Castle and Ryan and. Espo, or Castle and Haley, and Ryan and Espo earlier this season, it has made these two need to be more serious and more focused on the case and less on the fun stuff with Castle, especially when they were upset with him for those few episodes. Anyway, enough with what was wrong with these two. This episode was what was right all season with Ryan and Esposito getting back to the fun, Ryan and Espo, and these two characters carrying the series while it was floundering in the first half. Of course, Alexis was also doing that as well.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I could give her credit too, but I I did bring her into this because she was so separate from this story. Yeah. But she did have a great part of the story good this episode as well with figuring out kind of what was going on and the surprise with Haley that we got in this episode. Speaking of characters my family did want to know where was during this episode but I liked that they went to LA without her because the chemistry between Gazelle and Haley was quite good good this episode got a nice change of pace for the show so late in the game because it's very different for these shows to have a male and female mystery solving, do well that are just working as friends. Cause it totally left my guard down to Haley being involved with both the amnesia locks Storylines, which we will talk about in a minute. Because did you really buy into the camaraderie between Castle and Haley this week? Did it help you buy into the big reveal about Haley's character? Because we'll all accept that she is on Castle's side, Griffiths stage, she pretty much views Castle and Alexis's family.
1: Yeah, we've said for the past number of episodes that we've really begun to like that Haley character, and I've thought, even before the big reveal this week, that she has been a great addition to the series this season. I wasn't all in right away, as you remember, but she definitely has grown on me, and I thought their camaraderie in this episode was great. Their team up this week was awesome that's Castle and Haley of course and it was as fun as Castle and Beckett early on but without the romantic tension instead it was fun to have a true friendship and partnership feel which really works with these two I think the fact that she feels like family probably stems from Castle's father being a mentor to her and her and Castle having bonded over the locks case well before he disappeared and we ever realized they were linked even if he doesn't remember it I think that bonding happened and she just had that natural yeah. feel with him I think adding this twist to her backstory I I think that's some of the key elements that make the lock stat and amnesia plot lines work for me now i think her being a part of it is actually going to make it work and i i think that's a good thing i think this was like the necessary special sauce that brought it all together and makes it work in an otherwise story that we were really not into at the beginning i think it's starting to actually pick up some steam and become something that i will actually look back on and think oh yeah you know i ended up really liking that and the way it all worked out well it feels so much less
0: random now for for a lot of things getting light that this Kind of took away that idea of Haley being a character that was brought in because the show was struggling. I like that this good character is getting credit for being brought on the show, and not just being oh yeah we brought her on because the show was struggling. Because that might have been the case at the beginning, but now I think this character is a needed part, an integral part of the show. Can I have to really give the actress credit for being able to come in Can make it really feel like she did have a bond with Castle or Castle or Nathan's character during that be storyline? Can I could just pick right back up with her. That's that's an impressive thing to do, and again I think anyone can. With Nathan Feldman, he just does that. That's a tribute to him as an actor. But I think this actors like played Haley did a really good job coming out of the show, Could just really meshing with everybody well, despite all the craziness going on. Now, if you like my family who felt the explanation of how the Amnesia storyline, Glock's mystery connects, should have been explained in multiple episodes over the past three seasons, let me sum it all up for you. In the penultimate episode of the sixth season, Senator Bracken was arrested by Beckett. Get that sudden emotion, Glock sat wanting to kill her. So in the finale, just before the wedding, I feel like Castle's dad showed up and took him on a mission to ensure Beckett's safety. But Jackson couldn't be there the whole time, so he partnered him up with Haley until Castle discovered something really bad, like maybe his dad possibly be Voxad or connect some sort of connection like that, because that made him have his memory erased to protect Beckett, which makes so much more sense than it just being a terrorist attack. There's a very deep personal reason why he would hide something from himself, and I think the one thing that I can kind of keep Castle's curiosity in check because protecting his family because of what he loves like Beckett. Cover with the death of Beckett's former team, cut the AD office, everything ended up blowing up again. So Haley decided to come back to protect Castle, and probably called in Castle's stepmom for backup to explain how that character... Given out of nowhere. So that's driving me less crazy now too. Nico, is this how you're seeing the connections work in your head? Because sure the writers have spread this information out over the past three seasons, so we wouldn't have had all those episodes where we were complaining out the plot holes and asking what the heck is going on or why are they doing this? Because this have been the result of the writers not coming up with these connections until the
1: show got really bad during the first half of the season? So I agree with everything you said, except that Jackson is Locksat or could be Locksat. That's just a theory. I, I I don't know about that one. Right, right. I think Castle did learn about Locksat and possibly even the identity. Of Loxette, but it wouldn't make sense that Jackson would have intervened to save Beckett if he was actually Loxette and trying to kill her or wanting to kill her or needing to silence her or something like that. Rather, I think Castle and Jackson pro- possibly identified Loxette and realized it was too da- dangerous to pursue, but were able to stop Loxette from thinking Beckett was a threat until this season began, and that is why Haley had to come back and help them keep them safe. That is also why Jackson sent the stepmom as well, but couldn't come himself because it would tip off Loxette that they were still working on the case. Or or something like that. I don't know exactly right. how they'll explain it, but they'll use that to explain why Jackson couldn't make contact.
0: But that solved the problem for Joey so Lakes to get out of nowhere. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it makes it much better.
1: Now, I think as evidenced by your analysis and summary of the things that we know and where we know them from, the writers did actually sprinkle these details in over the last few seasons, but they did not spoon feed us as viewers. As such, we did not put a lot of the details together until they wanted us to in this episode. And as such, much of the first half of the season did not work for us because we were were not in on the plan. So often these series spoon feed what we need to know, and other times they sometimes leave too much or major things out of the mystery to try to make it a better reveal and so that the reveal will be greater. Unfortunately, I think Castle left too many necessary details out, and the reveal was good this week, and over the past couple episodes it has been good, but the lead up suffered because they were attempting to keep too much secret for a bigger reveal. And in that case, it just didn't work. In that sense, the series failed miserably in the first half of this season and pissed a ton of people off but i bet on second viewing knowing what we know now it'll actually work better or we'll see some things that make it work better but this is a bad way to tell a story you need to i understand you didn't want to spoon feed us the mystery and make it so everybody knew what was going on but you do need to give us enough details so that if we actually sit there and think about it we can come up with some ideas on how things work much of this season we were struggling to really understand and we come up with some great theories about every show so if If we couldn't come up with even something close or or find a way that it worked, then there was something missing. And I think, I don't know if We were so angry that we didn't even want to bother to come up with anything. Right. Well, I think that... I think a lot of people were. I think it might have been what you were saying, that the, the writers didn't know exactly where they were going to go, and so they were feeding us the broad strokes, and they didn't know how they were going to get there with the finite details. And that's a bad way to write as well.
0: They, they should know. Quit doing something risky, like breaking two of your characters off. You better know where the hell you're going. Oh, yeah. That That's all i have to say and the fact that they did it that's a problem again again they fixed it great but i think it's too late I think it's too late for the show they should have brought something more up to put the show in this direction get episode 6 of this season or spread it up even earlier knowing how upset people were at the beginning of the season because people were really upset and I think in that regard they should have come in a backdoor strategy saying if it takes too long to get there maybe we need to speed it up get people get upset because if I was in a manager room I would raise my hand and say look you guys are breaking up two characters that people really enjoy watching on TV and it's the heart of the show people might react badly don't you think we should come up with a contingency plan just in case it's the work because I know there's a lot of shows that do that. Got Casa dropped the ball, and i not doing it. Yeah, exactly. Can you think by season eight, got someone in his experience that's great that Philip being a producer on the show, which I don't know what that entails? Do you think he would have even said something? But maybe it's just he gets the credit and the extra money for it, but maybe he's not involved in the creative process. We don't know how that all works.
1: Yeah, we don't know. But I would be surprised if he's not involved.
0: Right, I agree with you on that. But just, that, that, that also bugs me why some of this stuff didn't work better. But maybe he was a key force to getting it fixed to where it is now. I don't know. We don't know about that. We'll probably never know. But speaking of the bad ever first half of the season, my mom said something that has me concerned about the rest of the second half, even after so much was resolved. Because there's still this fun way where things could go horribly wrong because she thinks that that being there when Castle discovered the connection between Lockset and Kat's Amnesia it means we're going to get a reversal of the first half of the season where Castle breaks off his marriage to Beckett so he can investigate Lockset while she's left questioning what's going on can you go on the right of the show stupid enough to take things to get his direction after doing such a brilliant job of fixing so many single season long potholes in this episode
1: yes they are but I don't think it will be that drastic I think Castle will attempt to keep Beckett from investigating into Lockset anymore because of what he learned but I think that it will only last a few episodes at most and will not be anywhere near as awful as the first half of this season and I don't think he's gonna break up his marriage to try and keep it keep her safe or any of that kind of stuff I, I think he'll just try to steer her away from investigating Lockset and try and keep her busy or bring her into other things or tell her I don't want to continue to keep this secret going I, I think we should just drop Lockset and go back to our lives and go back to solving murders that's what we that's where we can do the most good and something right. like that that's my prediction
0: I don't want you to get hurt because I don't want you to endanger our family at this point. Yeah. Because Alexis could have got in serious danger in this episode of Haley because that who she said she was. Right. You know, if they went to Villarreal with her, she could have been killed or kidnapped or something horrible happened. So there's that man issue, kid problem now too. Could again like Castle's dad. Maybe it got too dangerous for him to be involved. There's also the possibility that maybe he got killed. Maybe that's why Castle had to get his memory erased. Mm. just just things to think about Yeah. but again I think this is it I think the show's not the season there with this fix I don't think they should drag it out anymore just just you resolved it Grandpa up the set and everything be done to get out of here because I, I just don't think the rains are there I don't think it's going to last and I think ABC is ready to try something else which I hope is not another Chandra Rimes show please <laughs> please and I know some people like those shows but there's too many of them now it's getting out of control yeah <laughs> anyhow we're going to go into talking about another show that I think is on the verge of cancellation I don't think it's going to be Around, but Michael enjoys it. He gives us good reviews, so we're gonna keep on doing it. So let's talk about this week's episode. Come Sleepy Hollow.
2: Hey everyone, Michael J. Petty here to talk to you about this week's episode of Sleepy Hollow, Season 3, Episode 14, entitled Into the Wild. This week's Sleepy Hollow continues off on last week's episode in the sense that the overall mythology of the series is deepening. We learn that that Shadow Hunter symbol that Abby is attached to may not be evil after all, we see the hidden one in Pandora still at odds, the connection between the Witnesses growing stronger, and that the Wendigo may still live within Joe Corbin. There's so much packed in this episode, but let's try and go through it one by one. First of all, the symbol may not be evil. We find out That is actually two pieces made whole when combined with the Sumerian witness tablet, and it can actually help one witness locate the other. It even emits some sort of energy because there are two pieces of this symbol attached together, creating an electromagnetic bond. Crane immediately takes this as a sign of good, that the symbol is actually here to help, as opposed to cause harm. But, by the way, Pandora looks at it at the end of the episode, I'm not terribly sure that's the case. In fact, I would wager that it didn't lead Crane to Abby, it actually led him to this week's monster, who was super cool and creepy, by the way. But that's just speculation at this point, and I think we'll see by the end of the season an answer on that one way or another. Moving on, we also see that tension is continuing to grow between Pandora and her husband, with each getting more and more irritated at the other. Pandora at the Hidden One because he won't share his power, and him at Pandora because she continues to beg for it. However, I almost wonder if Pandora is playing her lover, allowing him to believe her to be weak, continuing to fail, in order for him to take matters into his own hands as he decides to do, and do away with the witnesses for her. Again, I'm not sure if that's actually the case, but it's certainly a possibility. I'm definitely looking forward to next week's episode because it looks like there's going to be some sort of showdown between Team Witness and the Hidden One and possibly Pandora as well. Finally, let's talk about the biggest reveal of this week's episode, where we see that Joe still has some Wendigo in him. Wendigo is probably my favorite monster season 2, outside of the big bad such as Henry Parrish, Moloch, and the Headless Horseman, and I am incredibly excited to see him again. No, I don't want Joe to become evil, and no, I don't want him to be killed, but I do want to see Joe have to face his literal internal demon and put it down once and for all it always seemed odd to me that ever since he returned this season nothing happened with the wendigo and they hardly even mentioned it except for maybe once and although they did cure him last season in hindsight with pandora bringing all these monsters to sleepy hollow you would think that she would have exploited joe sometime up until the present, and seen that he was at least at one point part Wendigo, and tried to make him one again. Nevertheless, they waited till now to do it, which is totally fine, because they're doing it at all. Heck, in the mid-season finale, when Jenny was in danger, though, Joe actually contemplated becoming a Wendigo again to save her, much, much to Crane's uh, protest. so he didn't end up doing that. It's gonna be really interesting, though, to see where they go with that storyline. All in all, this was an exciting episode of Sleepy Hollow, and next week's looks even better. I cannot wait.
0: Alright, so with that, we're gonna bring Vicky back for maybe our final Discussion called the Muppets. It's not looking good for the future of this show. Again, we thought we needed a lot more episodes. Again, I think they were planned, but I think ratings caused the problem, so we're not sure. So, for the final time, here's Nikki to join me to discuss the Muppets. All right, everyone, we've got Nikki back here for the last time on across the airwaves for at least a little while as we review the two season finale episodes of the Muppets, General and Hospitable, Good Because Love. <laughs>
3: Miss Piggy breaks her leg, so Kermit and the crew have to broadcast up late from the hospital. Rizzo, Pepe, and Yolanda have to keep Pache out of trouble. Miss Piggy and Kermit take stock of their relationship, and Kermit seeks advice.
0: Because I think this episode started out probably the most graphic we've ever seen The Muppets with Piggy breaking her leg.
3: That was really disturbing, and it caused pretty much the whole band to vomit.
0: I was kind of vomiting with them a little bit.
3: Yeah, poor Piggy. I did I did enjoy the dance before she broke her leg. Me too. Seeing Piggy try to be uh, Beyonce was quite entertaining.
0: Yes, if only they got Beyonce to the episode.
3: Yeah, but they had some pretty good
0: backup dancers. I agree with that. That's, a, that's a definitely a good call there. Piggy uh, in the hospital was funny.
3: Yeah, she kept trying to call the nurses and she was using her morphine drip the whole time. So, haven't we all wanted that?
0: Got that her getting strung up from the ceiling. <laughs>
3: For yeah. the wrong button. <gasps> Oh, Piggy.
0: <laughs> Don't you love Deadly in a crisis?
3: Yeah, I said, like, no, makeup. Like, focus... When Piggy was like trying to escape, it's like, focus on the encased snacks in the vending machine. Yeah, he knows how to deal with Piggy. That's... that's a really that takes guts and that takes a lot of time and Energy.
0: I thought he and Kermit made a good team.
3: They do. When they have to like calm her down, they work really well together. They're a good tag team. He's a, yeah, he's a funny guy. I love Dudley. He's I'm like, gonna miss him. I know I'm going to miss him and Pepe until the show comes back,
0: which hopefully it will. Well, wasn't there a bunch of episodes filled with all their guest stars? You read that list off.
3: Yeah. I'm guessing that because of the, they had to reboot the show, or at least there were guest stars that were supposed to be on, but I got Nick Offerman. So I'm, I'm really happy with, with that.
0: Yes, that was great.
3: Uh, i love me some Nick Offerman. So I'm guessing that when they had to kind of retool the show a little bit and kinda of go back to what made the Muppets show, the Muppet Show in the seventies and early eighties, that a lot of those storylines probably had to go bye bye.
0: Yes, unfortunately.
3: Yeah. But we did get the return of veterinarian hospital.
0: Yes, that was funny. Nice reference. back.
3: I know. I was like it was like I was like, What did Rolf do that was and then they showed it. I was like, Oh my god, I remember this bit. <laughs> that poor woman though. I thought they were gonna bust out into
0: the live of the coconut. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Yeah. I did love that they brought back the phenomena.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what scared me when I saw it because I was like, yes, that's funny, that's awesome. But they're doing that since the last episode.
3: No, no, it can't be. We've got to have some more. I need at least one more season.
0: Okay, what a weird, twist did things take with Pache.
3: Well, hopefully that means we get rid of Pache. Yeah,
0: okay, I feel like there was an elimination of that character. Yeah, no more Even pizza. It was a funny story.
3: But it was, you know, it was nice that Sweetums had had a moment to shine.
0: Yeah, Sweetums is not a very good kidnapper. No, no,
3: no. But he did keep him in the room. Yes, he did. He did keep him in the room and enough till they got uh, his daddy on the phone and he and Pache reconciled and sort of
0: I think if you really want to hold somebody hostage just put him in Carl's mouth
3: oh god it's not a dry heat <laughs> just poor, oh god poor Rizzo having this spelunk inside there it's like an episode of Florida's in the air
0: <laughs> that was great I
3: know it's like oh and it's like Pepe you know how like not having an end game for the whole thing you know how sometimes we have these ideas and we don't really think them through but they work out great anyway this is not one of those times yes <laughs> I just love that Piggy love that prawn. No too. makeup. Do we get a second opinion? I've never seen that before. No, no. Even like I think she sleeps in it. I think it's. I always just assumed it was permanent, like tattooed makeup. Yeah, me too. But no, there's there's Piggy without makeup and still Piggy.
0: Yes. Just without
3: lavender eyelids.
0: And with Piggy, things got a little romantic or heated up in that way with her and Kermit and second
3: Well, she was telling everybody she loved them. Yes. Including a giraffe, I believe that wasn't there. Yes. That's what happens when you're on a morphine drip apparently is you just tell everybody you love them and then kermit usually the more astute of the two didn't realize that piggy was just on you know copious amounts of morphine he said the i love you back twice twice and i don't want them back together well
0: they did a good job of leaving it open-ended
3: yeah you know being on a trip to thailand
0: <laughs> yes kermit can't talk thai <laughs> poor piggy but i think you and uh pepe are having a, got a dispute here that
3: yeah I'm, I'm not on team love i'm on team friends yeah because love no no, no. Because the two of them, because Kermit and Piggy, I mean, they were together for so long, I think it's it's time that they be apart for a while. And I'm just saying this because I love Kermit. I'm saying, And I've never thought Piggy was good enough for him, but I didn't. I've never thought Piggy was good enough for him. I just, you know, I think he's, it creates a more interesting dynamic between the two of them.
0: Yes, I agree. And it gets the writer's room to come up with wild and crazy things like writing a pros, pros and cons list. Yes. And they a, writing sketches. And writing a
3: list of, because I can't decide what for lunch.
0: Yes. That, that's that's. On, what's for yeah
3: what's for lunch and then lou zealand throwing fish around the room i thought i was like yay
0: you gotta love him throwing fish
3: yeah he gotta love lou
0: yeah i mean is he's Kermit in your drawer right now <laughs> uh
3: no i don't have a
0: kermit but i wish jack white was yeah that was fun i liked how he showed up his appearance was great
3: and it wasn't just oh look he's showing up on the show you know he's just gonna sing no he was like actually acting and he was being i loved his car i loved his whole vibe and i love i'm a huge white stripes fan so for you there to be a little uh, fell in love with the girl action going on in the car. I was just in heaven. I mean, first it was the Muppets, you know, and it always makes me happy and, you know, seeing Pepe and and Carl and uh, Chip but then I got Jack White, and I got him singing a classic white stripe song, and then with Kermit yeah. with Kermit, and then performing with the band and which is what it's on. I, I'm rewatching it now there he is, and the Muppets coming in for team Love,
0: yeah, I like that that performance with Jack White and Kim covered it yeah. in and just it was great. I was just driving on the road, and there's Jack White,
3: yeah, God damn it
0: Vicky couldn't handle that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I did love there's a couple like some really just funny little moments like when Piggy broke her leg and Bobo goes, you know, is behind the camera oh, passing out now. You know, everybody's just kind of <laughs> having their own reactions and Waldorf and Statler talking about, you know, how they always have to have their food, you know, pureed. It's like I brought a pork chop sip so and then you know the Swedish chef and Bunsen Honeydew coming together for an experiment I mean talk about a natural like Look why hasn't app- this happened before
0: <laughs> come on Food Network give them a call
3: yeah we need those two together but before Beaker is head with two to you and then he fell down, yes. and he was like stained, and he had like burns from the chemical burns from the all that uh, dry ice. Does that guy have superpowers? Beaker. Yeah. I I would only assume Beaker's an Inhuman just because he has survived so long under the reign of terror that Doctor Bunsen Honeydew has has presided over
0: well, in stretch, his life too. He's kind of like he's, he's with the Fantastic Four or
3: something. No, don't bring them into this. The good kind. The good Fantastic Four. Oh, from the 1960s. comic book Fantastic. Yes, the comic book
0: Fantastic Four. There, there there's nothing else, is there?
3: No, no, you know it's really surprising they haven't made a film about the fantastic four
0: exactly
3: we have the technology but you know what i think they're waiting until they can get it right you know make you know like they did with the avengers
4: right like let's
3: not ruin it by throwing out like one or two or three really crappy versions Let's do it right the first time.
0: But they do the Muppets right every time.
3: Oh, um, the Muppets are right every time. Muppets are just the Muppets. Muppets. Oh, yes. Please, please, please renew the Muppets. Should we
0: start a hashtag?
3: Yes. Well, Muppets. we got to get Agent Carter done first.
0: Good. Let's, let's combine the hashtags.
3: Renew Agent Muppets? Yes. Renew, hashtag Renew Agent and Muppets. Cause Carter we, Muppets? Carter Muppets. Carter Pets. There you go. I'm sure we can get the uh, Agent Carter pets. Agent Carter pets. I'm sure we can get the Shield crew and the Agent Carter crew to work with us on that.
0: Well, we wanted Clark Gregg oddly.
3: I have not had Clark Gregg on the Muppets. We had him in the commercials, which yes. was fantastic. We I have a, a promotional photo of Kermit with Clark, which is like the greatest photo photo ever taken in the history of photos. But yeah, I, I need I need more. And we're getting another. We're getting you know season four of Agents of Shield, so we should be getting season two of the Muppets.
0: Because they can't leave us hanging. No. Pepe left us the
3: because love. Because love. Because love. No.
0: I'm sorry, Pepe. I think it should be Camilla and Gonzo. They're Camilla
3: right. and Gonzo in doing their weird yoga thing, yeah. Yes. That's a, a pairing I could get behind. That, that's a ship I can get behind. But no, I'm team friends for Kermit and Piggy.
0: And we'll just see who will win when the show returns. Yes. This fall. Yes, when. So thanks, everyone, for joining us um, uh, for our discussion on the Muppets. Yes. We've had it's been fun doing this. And uh, hopefully, we'll be talking about it more in the fall. But but that's going to be up to you guys to want to save it so get out there and get working on that and thanks for joining us bye guys alright so now that he's joined us we're going to get into more sitcoms we going to talk about an episode of New Girl which I think is going to bring back the show to its full glory and that's the new rap song which featured the long-awaited return of Jess entitled Goosebumps Walk Away <laughs>
1: Jess returns from jury duty and tries to uncover the real identity of a juror sequestered with her. Meanwhile, Reagan prepares to move out of the loft and out of Nick's life and Winston and CeCe help Schmidt get over his fear of public dancing. My favorite comedic moment from this week's new girl
0: was simply just Jess returning to the show. I've always known that Zoe Deschanel was good, but I've come to realize she's probably one of the best comedic actresses on television after being gone from the show over the past couple weeks. And yeah, Megan Fox still wasn't great, but she was better in Zoe's presence, which says a lot about her as a leader of the show. That's Zoe, I, mean. I also Thought it was great her return, came with a classic Jess storyline. Governor desperately trying to find a full juror she fell in love with. Coley Fern and Scummer, they have nothing in common. Kind it, of just everything backfired. But she certainly had much in common with Nick as Zoe and Jake Johnson's chemistry seemed to sparkle even more after they've been away from each other. So here's the heading down the road of those two kids, possibly getting back together. Got no more Megan Fox. Because her stint on the show crashed and merged. Worse than using Sayadora, Sayadora Sammy got the goosebumps walk away. So Nico, do the hustle for us. your thoughts on this week's episode of New Girl.
1: Yeah, Zoe seemed to fix the Megan Fox issue just as they were saying goodbye to Megan Fox. The two of them together was the best stuff we got from Megan Fox's entire time on the series and that is definitely due to the amazing abilities of Zoe Deschanel. I loved Jess's story arc about trying to find the other juror and thought the payoff of the news broadcast was amazing. Gary of Brentwood, Man, they sound like Cookie Monster's parents. Well, that's how I want you to remember us. Blurry and talking like Zool. (laughs) My only issue with it was what happened to Jess and John Chippewa those characters. Come on. Hello. Where was their secret romance? This episode had some great moments. Fat Schmidt's hustle dance. No complaints here, Fatty. The entire Goosebumps walk away idea was pretty great. Cyanara Sammy. Cyanara sam I'm Sammy. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember, I recognized my mother freaking handwriting. That was a great line from Winston. <laughs> and the best part, I think my favorite or biggest laugh came from Nick talking to himself in the mirror and freaking himself out at the end of the episode. That was great. Yes, the
0: show got better with this once. I'm not concerned anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was so much good stuff. And Jess fixed Megan Fox's appearance, at least in this episode. So oh. it, it was pretty good. So if they do bring her back for any episode or extended period, I think as long as Jess is there to balance it out, it'll be good. It'll be good.
0: Yeah, it, it seems like it. I was very surprised at all that with. I was just like, wow, you know, Zoe all really is a big driving force in the show. Okay, I, I I did not realize how much until she was gone. That may benefit her in the show. People realizing that. They might just do that. So I, I hope so. And they're great lines. And I also enjoyed Schmidt just like totally tearing up Nick's ideas. that he wrote on the note cards for ideas? And him, he made him write 40 more. Yep. Not the ones he already used. That was funny too. Schmidt Alright, so let's go into consider the Big Bang Theory that I think was just kind of a standard run of the mill episode that may set up other things, and other story arcs. But I still enjoyed it and it wasn't anything annoying in it. It was just kind of I thought, a run of the mill episode. Yep. So let's get
1: into talking about that episode. Get The Application of Deterioration.
4: All started with the Big Bang. Hey!
1: Howard reconsiders entering into a legal partnership with Leonard and Sheldon regarding the patent for the Infinite Persistence gyroscope. Also, the women offer Raj dating advice after Emily reaches out to him following their breakup.
0: My favorite comedic moment on this week's Big Bang Theory was Raj's good decision on if he was going to Emily's apartment, returning her dog to out with the other girl,
1: Claire. If this
0: storyline was between Leonard to get another girl, it would have been totally annoying. But because it was Raj, I found it hilarious, even though we both can't stand the Emily character. But when it did come to the other girls, I got a good laugh on the cinematographer photographer showing the. Girl's reaction towards Raj's phone call from his point of view. Also, I thought the episode delivered some great character development for Sheldon with 25% of the money the guys earned with their invention going to a scholarship fund he set up for Howard's baby. Got I be mean, pretty fair with the business contract in general, at least when it comes to Sheldon. So, what were your favorite thoughts on this episode of the Big Bang
1: Theory? Dan, my favorite comedic moment was Raj commenting just before opening the gift from Emily that, you know, in Game of Thrones, Balin Greyjoy received his son's genitals in a box. <laughs> I also loved Sheldon's flash shirt that had a picture of sure, beakers and chemicals plus lightning equals the flash symbol. Also, Sheldon getting one last engineering joke in before he signed the contract was great as well.
0: Yeah, and I don't know how that's going to hold up, though. <laughs> it's the engineering joke, it's, it's a great device that they use on this show, so I don't know how long that's going to stick together. I feel like there's going to be an episode where he slips, and then there's going to be a whole and there's going or something goofy after with that. We'll see. Maybe he'll go on another Apologize. We'll gum an Apology Tour and hand out for our t-shirts. We'll see. So yeah, good episode. Interesting to see where things go with Raj and hopefully We'll go, but we'll see.
1: I was disappointed that they brought her back in. I thought they'd made a clean break, and maybe they could have brought the other actress in to be the love interest for a time.
0: The, the mistake they made with Emily, they should have never added her to the cast they were kind of stuck having to do that. Yeah. I don't know why you would do that. I thought she was only a good placeholder girlfriend myself, too, but, you know, kudos. Yep. away with that, we're going to go to the closing, where there is going to be a slight change in the schedule, so please listen closely, because things are a little bit different. Again, this is the time of year where shows are on and off, and it could change. Kind of moments notice, so. This is our best guess on what the schedule's going to be like next week.
1: Yeah, on our next episode, Dan and I will continue our reviews with an episode of Walking Dead and Star Wars Rebels, along with Michael's reviews of Sleepy Hollow, but no Supernatural, as it is off for an entire month. And our sitcom section includes new girl and modern family but much like this week we're in that area of tv schedule where things can vary greatly from week to week so keep those dvrs up to date also dc nation will continue with gotham and supergirl but no arrow flash or dc legends episodes for next week so make sure to rejoin us for gotham and supergirl also make sure to keep an eye out for dan nikki and joshua doing the marvelverse podcast and their coverage of agents of shield and remember that daredevil season 2 drops next friday and will be reviewed on the marvelverse podcast a few weeks later so everyone has a Chance to binge watch it before they review it. Okay, we'll also be reviewing Deadpool. Got some point there as well. Yes, yes. But for now, we're going to roll our pre recorded closing.
0: Get okay, at our Across the Airways podcast network website, com. Again, that's com. You can check out all of our podcast shows available as their own, get individual programs, get in the iTunes store, okay, Google Play store. Guys, for the podcast shows, cut network. We have the DC Nation podcast located at DCNation.acrossTheAirways.com. Again, that's DCNation.acrossTheAirways.com. .com, which reviews popular DC Comics-related TV shows and movies. There's also the Marvelverse podcast, located at marvelversepodcast.acrosstheairways.com. Again, that's marvelversepodcast.acrosstheairways.com, which reviews Marvel Comics-related TV shows and movies. Again, we also have Thronescast, a podcast dedicated to reviewing episodes of HBO's Game of Thrones, which is available at the website thronescast.acrosstheairways.com. Again, that's thronescast.acrosstheairways.com. In addition to these programs, you can listen to the original Across the Airways podcast which is accessible at acrosstheairways.com which reviews TV shows not related to superheroes Core Game of Thrones like The Walking Dead Doctor Who Star Wars Rebels Supernatural and more including sitcoms such as the Big Bang Theory Got the Muppets also you can listen to Across the Airways the DC Nation podcast Thronescast, the Game of Thrones podcast and the Marvelverse podcast got the Mixed Radio station coded by Jack Stifles Stitcher Radio or if you use Apple devices download the Podcast Box app and if you're on a Windows or Android device. You can download our apps from the Amazon Marketplace. Got the Windows Marketplace. Got a regular Windows or Windows Phone app. Guys, for how you can contact us to give your own listener feedback. Got the TV show's review review. Provide suggestions on how we can improve your podcast listening experience. Or just want to say, do you like what we're doing? Can email us at acrosstheairwaves.gmail.com. Again, that's acrosstheairwaves.gmail.com. Comment on our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter. Got across the airwaves. There's no thought in there. It's just across the airwaves. Join our circle. Got Google+. Go leave us a voicemail by calling 773-809-3363. Can get it at 773-809-3363. Also, when sending us an email, please mention which podcast show you're directing the message to. Give the subject line if you are sending us glister feedback you want us to read. God the air. God would also recommend that you check out our YouTube page, which features trailers for upcoming movies get television events. Along with this content, the ATA YouTube channel is a great source for panels from past Comic-Con. God, it will be a great resource to find videos related to the Comic-Con taking place in San Diego this summer to go along with our Comic-Con special. All right. So once again, for other talented ATA podcast hosts, Dickie Amey, Wu Kim, Joshua Mercury, Steve Nostro, Michael J. Petty, Guy Dan Schmidt. And I'm
1: Nico it Can our next episode?
0: We'll catch you on the airways. See you guys. Have a great weekend. Hooray for Hollywood. See ya. Hooray for Hollywood. That's Hoobie Valley, Hoobie
4: Hollywood. Where office boy. Temple to A be is equally understood. Go out and try your luck. You may